You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. So we're back with part two. Nick is actually in transit at the moment. So I am here with our guest, Jillian. Hey, Alex. Uh, without Nick, <laughs> I always love a great opportunity to just to just remove Nick from the equation. And this was perfect. So thank you for hopping back on quickly to... Yeah, no, no problem. Well, it seems like Nick removed himself. What did this clown do? Why are we here? This is his fault, okay, right? So, so Nick is coming out to California because his wife is in grad school in San Diego. So yes. he has, Hi, he's been pushing off the trip over and over again. I've done this with Sarah too, actually. We went down and visited her uh, and had a nice little chat that Nick had no control over. <laughs> Fantastic. So he's traveling and I, I guess somehow, I don't know how you lose your laptop at JFK. Like, I maybe he left it on the conveyor belt, or I I don't know. I I I don't understand how it's actually well, humanly possible to. Leave it's your funny. In the airport. It's funny because, and this was completely unplanned, listeners. Like I knew about that I was recording with Alex not five minutes ago, but Patrick Hines has done that after we've come back from live shows or like conventions or whatever. There was one time I think it was JFK. He left his laptop on the plane. It was like in the little front, the little in the seat compartment in front of you thing and you're just like one we were so exhausted and just ready to get home so on the way home i understand it more maybe but going that makes sense you know because yeah, i feel like well, if you're going you there layover because yeah Nick's a cheap bastard so he probably bought like a, a four-stop <laughs> ticket for like 80 dollars. i feel like by the time you're on your way home you're so sick and tired of doing like the keys wallet phone dance like keys wallet <laughs> yeah. phone ipad like i i can see, but of course, leave it to Nick on the way there. Also, that's also that's just a nightmare. All jokes aside, that's I oh mean, a nightmare. No, I, nightmare. he's he's not having a great time based on oh, the short conversation Nick. that I have with him. So before we dive into part two, we've already gone through Nick's choice of Catch Me If You Can, which is a great film, uh, and we're moving on towards our choices now. Is is there any any Nick trivia that you have that you oh. wouldn't want anybody to know, or he wouldn't want anybody to know, but we want everybody to know. Oh my god! There's gotta Shit. be something. There's gotta be right. Um, um, he told me a story about how he almost missed his cue in Hamilton because he was eating cereal in his dressing room. But he told <laughs> he said that on the podcast, so he told everybody. But I was like, Nick, you know Tommy Kale listens to this, right? Like cereal, cereal is almost what delayed cereal. the show. Cereal. Nick's bachelor party. I planned. Uh, we rented a house in upstate New York. The only request that he had was cereal so we went up we rented a, a whole passenger van with like 15 people and went to this weird house in the middle of nowhere and we had probably probably 15 or 16 boxes of cereal and we bought a bunch of nerf guns and just hung out in this like weird forest mansion all weekend and it was it was actually pretty amazing the last time nick was on the podcast nick and sarah were on the podcast and he was talking about cereal and the look on her face i was just like sarah she was like it's messy it's like there's just like cereal crumbs everywhere. <laughs> like this cereal thing is kind of it like it haunts him in some way. But it's his, it's his, it's his like major vice is cereal. Yeah, he, it's because he refuses to grow up. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly <laughs> That's right. It. So with that being said, uh, onward to part two. Little Justice. Little Justice. Little Justice. So I guess I'll just line it up because I've already 
started. I don't know if you guys are going to get this or not. So I wanted to pick something uh, because we've got, you know, a true crime expert in here and we've got <laughs> Steven Spielberg Walker here. So I figured I wanted to find something a little more obscure, a little more that's like a, a, a really great movie that tells the story really well um, that maybe a lot of people haven't seen and they should. So this film starts on 50s old newsreel footage and it is a tourism video for Christchurch, New Zealand. Beautiful streets, people riding bikes. It's all very positive and it goes on for a while. It's just a couple straight minutes. The schools are great and here they are going to church and here's Sally doing this and everybody's happy and all that. And then all of a sudden in the span of like 10 seconds, the music just gets really moldy and dark and all that and you cut to a forest the screen widens up and there's two girls running through the forest just screaming their heads off screaming their heads off and they're rushing along this hiking path wait and they rush up a hill wait screaming 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 they break out to the top at this house and this lady comes running out like what, what's wrong what's wrong alex and can the I camera just... cuts and they're, they're just staring into the camera screaming <laughs> covered in blood <laughs> I, is this movie about how somebody's is how somebody's died? Is this directed by Peter Jackson? It is. Yes. <laughs> and the movie is Heavenly Creatures. Oh, I wish James Mason would do a religious picture. He'd be perfect as Jesus. Daddy says the Bible's a load of bunkum. But we're all going to heaven. I'm not. I'm going to the fourth world. It's an absolute paradise of music, art, and pure enjoyment. James will be there, and Mario. Only they'll be saints. Saint Mario. I was afraid this was going to happen. I haven't seen it. No, it's fine. That's fine. I was afraid that's, that's, of this. That's fine. Okay. That's exactly all good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I picked something... Uh, so out there, yeah, yeah. You really should. You really should should see this movie. It yeah, sounds yeah. like I'm gonna watch it through my hands. It sounds you, terrifying. No, no, no. It's it's not. So it's it's actually so uh, the movie is about two girls, Juliet Hume and Pauline Parker, who are real people who form a friendship. Right. Uh, one of them's kind of this social outcast girl. She's always angry and never talking to people. And this girl from England uh, moves into town and they become fast friends to the point where you're not really sure what the relationship even is. It's based on a real crime where they form such a bond that when the parents decided to split them apart and they wanted to take this girl back back across overseas, um, they came up with a plan to kill the one's mother and they did it. Fast forward for, you know, a after the story takes place, they, they kill the mother, they go to jail for five years. When she gets out, when Juliet Hume gets out, she takes another name, Anne Perry, and moves away uh, and becomes like a world famous true crime author. <laughs> it's not in the what? movie that that happens, but in reality, the person that this is based on uh, wrote like best selling novels for her entire career. Oh, uh, shit. After only serving. Yeah, crazy. But so the the movie is Peter Jackson, who did Lord of the Rings, right? Uh, it's it's the only movie he did in between his early like monster creature features, um, Dead Alive or Brain Dead and uh, Bad Taste, which are like puppet blood, crazy cartoony horror, you know, almost horror comedies with how crazy they are. Uh, and he did one. He did The Frighteners, too. But this was like his one serious movie and it got nominated for uh, Best Original 
screenplay. And I think it's it's what gave the studio confidence that he could go off and do Lord of the Rings. It's also the feature film debut of Kate Winslet <gasps> and Melanie Linsky, who played the two girls. It's phenomenal. So so the story, why why I love it as a true crime story is because you know from the beginning, if you're watching it, there's a little card that prompts it. Like you you know what happens at the end. So you're waiting for it. It doesn't get to the point where they decide to do it until the very end. Like it's not like halfway through the movie, the ones like we should kill them and they plot it out. And it's it's not like a murder story. It's about these two girls who really don't fit in anywhere, really finding this bond with each other, really only understanding each other. And and the movie uses fantasy sequences and things. They like decide to write a fantasy book together and they live in this world that they've developed and their reality starts blending with it. So the character, you know, the parents and the teachers and everybody they're interacting with, they start to kind of cast them into this fantasy story they're telling. Kind of got like a labyrinth vibe almost. Mm. And it's it's a it's a fascinating way to kind of portray the inner turmoil of of teenage girls. Charles! Gina! It's great to see you here. <laughs> DLO. Careful, Gina, we almost lost you. <laughs> For you, my lady. You know, and, and everything starts working against them. And the you know, it's the, the parents who initially the, all the parents are good people in the beginning, they all you all start to, you know. Oh well, one's cheating and one's angry and one's doing this and one's doing that. And you and and they get so the the rest of the world stops making sense to them. So they they only have each other. They cling tighter to each other. And so when they're finally torn apart at the end, it's like this tightly wound bomb. It's a three act story with the tragic end. Your mother is rather a miserable woman, isn't she? I thought for hours about whether. Carmelita should accept Bernard's marriage proposal. I think she knows what's going to happen. She doesn't appear to bear us any grudge. But in the end, I decided against it. I thought it would spoil all their fun. And you, and it brings you to understand how they could kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Because it's threatening the only thing that's giving them, that's making the world make any kind of sense. Because they feel like if they didn't do it, then they would die. Yeah, Alex... Um, Talk talk a little bit about the world. Tell Julian a little bit about, more about the world that they create with each other, because like that, I think the fantastical element of this it's movie. amazing. So so uh, Weta Workshop was created for this film, um, and and I think it's fascinating because it's not it, it's a drama, right? It's a character drama. It's not a fantasy movie. It's not a horror movie. It's not you wouldn't think that one the leading special effects studio in the world <laughs> would have started with a story about you know. Um, teenage lesbians right they've created they they start writing about this world it's called baravnia um it's like a fantasy kingdom you know with kings and princes and swords and all these things uh and then uh in addition they they start making these little clay characters and so what they do is they actually they built an entire set and costumes with people who look like human-sized clay characters it's insane and they just have these girls it's it's crazy it's like not you know it's beyond it's not real looking Mm -hmm. um but but it's just interesting like they look like just giant poorly molded clay figurines but they really look like that like the costumes are are so well done 
and and, it, and it's almost it's almost I mean it it kind of borders this line that I think and it makes me think of another Peter Jackson film that uh, I I don't know if everyone's or maybe you guys did you did any did either of you see the Lovely Bones? No. no, I actually never did. So Lovely Bones, what Lovely Bones is pretty much like kind of the same a lot of the same concepts, mm-hmm. right? Like you take take a this you know obviously the murder in the Lovely Bones isn't real, but you take a murder. Uh, and you make it into a, you bring in like elements of magical realism and you just make it a very interesting, you know, uh, crazy world. Stanley Tucci was nominated for uh, Best Supporting as the killer in that movie. Um, and he's terrifying. But like, it, it really is these, are these things where it blends kind of what I think Peter Jackson is best at, which is like taking elements that it, at, at turns, like right instantaneously can go from, heartwarming and like beautiful to like slightly disturbing Mm -hmm. and and that's what this this, you know when you're watching these young women dance uh in this clay castle like thing i mean i just remember being like what the hell like it's very strange and like the the smiles are just plasted on these guys it's yeah it's very creepy it's creepy it's very creepy and and they start to cast cast the characters against it right and they start to see you know, um, one of the girls goes to see a psychologist because her mother is worried that she's gay. Um, so she sends her to have this conversation with a psychologist about how, it's, you know, it's just a phase or whatever. And by the end of the thing, she's she's fantasizing about a clay guy coming up and stabbing him through the back. And they go through the whole sequence and then it cuts and none of that actually happened. Perhaps you could think about spending more time with boys. Uh, you don't want to hurt Juliet's feelings, but I'm sure she'd understand you're having other interests outside of the friendship. I mean, there's all sorts of clubs and hobbies that you can... Bloody fool. <laughs> Mrs. Reaper... And suddenly you understand why they can commit and murder. And suddenly you understand, you know, <laughs> like, and, and I mean, fuck? I guess it's something that's been been beaten to death in other things, but like it, the, the way it's used is very poignant yeah. uh, visual, visual language where you, you follow these girls, uh, you know, in a positive way through their fantasy land and you get their connection to it and it connects each other, right? They, they start writing, when they get separated, they start writing each other letters and the voices of these characters they've created. Like they really yes. use this world to be their language. So when they bring it into their own uh, situations, you understand what it means to them and how it, how it relates. It's like without needing to like, if you're trying to explain how, how do you get somebody to murder? How do you push somebody Uh to murder? Um, Especially a 15, 16 year old girl. It tackles it in such a unique and poignant way. I'm riveted by this. I'm riveted. Please, please go watch the movie because it really is a beautiful Heavenly film. creatures. Heavenly creatures. Uh, it's yeah. It's it's phenomenal. And and Peter Jackson. I mean, I won't say it's my favorite Peter Jackson because Lord of the Rings, but uh, second favorite. I was picked up at two p.m. I have been very sweet and good. I have worked out a little more of our plan. Peculiarly enough, I have no qualms of conscience. I rose late and helped Mother vigorously this morning. Deborah rang and we decided to use a rock in a stocking rather than a sandbag. We discussed the moida fully. I feel very keyed up as though I were planning a surprise party. 
Mother has fallen in with everything beautifully, and the happy event is to take place tomorrow afternoon. Next time I write in this diary, Mother will be dead. See, huh? I know this is going to be controversial. I might throw King Kong in there, and I know that you're going to kill me for that. King Kong. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I, I love it. I love King Kong. Yeah. Uh, Good yeah. film. Good film. I, I have nothing bad to say about King Kong. I have nothing phenomenal to say about King Kong. I know. I know. Nick, but did I ever tell you? Place. Nick, did I ever tell you my Peter Jackson story of when I met him? Uh, you're going to tell me now. Okay, and Alex, for you too. Um, th- I'm going to take. Um, this is going to be quick, but of course no, it relates no, no. to true crime take because, like, this is this is just who I am. So, a dear, dear, dear friend of of mine and of Mike's is Damien Eccles, and Damien Eccles is uh, a person who was wrongfully imprisoned and on death row. Um, so he was in prison for 18 years and I think 75 days and 10 of those years was, uh, solitary. And, um, it's a case, it's called the West Memphis three. That's the, his case. And, uh, Peter Jackson, there were a, a paradise lost series. Joe Berlinger did that was the mm-hmm. HBO documentary. And then West of Memphis came out, but there was a lot of celebrity attention on this case because of the HBO series. Um, and Peter Jackson was one of the people who came forward and helped bankroll the um, the investigations and wow. helped get them out of prison. So uh, Damien, cool. Jesse, and Jason had to sign an Alfred plea, which means that they uh, maintain their innocence, but quote, plead guilty just so they can get out because Damien was dying in prison. Um, so they're out. But so, uh, and that Peter Jackson, it costs a lot of money to do the investigation, especially when the state of Arkansas wants to kill you uh, and they don't want to admit any wrongdoing. So Peter Jackson, it was like Peter Jackson, Johnny Depp, Henry Rollins, the Dixie Chicks, uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, the Chicks, uh, Natalie Maines, especially Natalie Maines is such a badass hero, but she was very, very vocal. And um, yeah, so we went to one of Damien's art shows in LA and because Lori and Lori, his wife, Lori um, and Damien got very, very close with Fran and Pete, as they call them, which is so bizarre. We'll be at dinner and Lori's like, oh, Fran and Pete. And I'm like, you mean like, like Fran Walsh and Peter Jackson, like that Fran and Pete. Cool. Um, Cause they're, they're just like friends. And so he was there. And so um, Mike is such, such a fan of Lord of the Rings. And so we met him and Lori was like, you know, here, Lori's the sweetest person in the world. And she was like, here, here are the, you know, the sweet friends we've told you about Mike and Jillian. And we just said to him, like, we didn't talk about his movies at all. We just said like, thank you for saving our friend's life and getting and doing what you could to like get him out. And so, uh, Peter Jackson was like really lovely and like came to Damien's art show. It was in LA at the time. Uh And, um, he was just a really, he's a cool guy and he, he threw his money at something very meaningful. And so, I just I always like telling that story. Not not because I it's not like any street cred for me. It's or a humble brag for me. It's cool that I met Peter Jackson, but it's even cooler that he threw his money at at the cause of getting three innocent men out of prison. Oh, that's what we want to hear. That's what we right? like. We right? like we like I like those stories where people are good people. I, I really do think that's that's a great That's the thing. goal. I want to have as much money to get all the thousands of, of innocent people in prison, I want them out. That's, Can we that's please the goal. do that? Can we yeah, do yeah. That? I want to save that. all the animals and get all the innocent pre- people out of prison. That's that's oh my, my whole that's my whole thing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick advertisement break to, to pay for things. But when we come back, we will have some money, 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 movie choices for you. We will be right back. And we are back. We are back. We are back. And and in the meantime, I want to hear about your movie, which Alex, I I have to admit, I I do believe I know. So I'm you not going to. I she sounds very. You sound very sure about it. I'm <laughs> going, you you know exactly <laughs> what it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my film 
is it opens on July 4th and we it's a tracking shot and it's from the we're looking at the we're looking out the passenger side of a car and a car it's like going through a, a neighborhood and we're going house by house by house by house and finally we stop on a house does someone have a guess? What am I hearing? I well, I I didn't I didn't choose this. I would have chosen it, and it, it's another like, literally, you guys chose the two that I <laughs> was gonna choose until I realized no, nah, there's too good a chance. It is my favorite movie, other than that thing you do and Clue. Um, it's it's it actually has to do with what True Crime Obsessed was originally gonna be. Can I say it? Go for it. Yes, please. Zodiac. Dear editor. This is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July near the golf course in Vallejo. To prove I killed them, I shall state some facts which only <clears throat> I and the police know. Christmas, brand name of ammo, Super X. Ten shots were fired. The boy was on his back with his feet to the car. The girl... Here is part of a cipher. The other two parts of this cipher are being mailed to the editors of the Vallejo Times and SF Examiner. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. In this cipher is my identity. If you do not print this cipher by the afternoon of FRY, first of Aug 69, I will go on a kill rampage Fry night. I will cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. It's unsigned except for a symbol. Is it me? Or does that look like a gun sign? Yeah. Boom. I, I love this movie so hard. It is, okay, can I just, I've been, can I just talk about it for a second? <laughs> go off. It's time. Please. The time so, is now. So I read Helter Skelter like way too young and, and Charles Manson and, and that whole story is what got me into true crime reading Helter Skelter. And then the next book I read was Robert Graysmith's book. And like, I'm talking notes in the margin. I was going to get the guy like from a young age, I've always wanted to get the guy. So I, when Zodiac came out and it's like Mark Ruffalo, who I'm obsessed with, uh, Chloe Savannah, me who's who's incredible and no one gives her any credit for that comedic performance in big love she was phenomenal in that show uh we have robert johnny jr we have jake gyllenhaal uh we it's just it is it's inc it's in uh, it's the best but I, I saw that movie at midnight when like no one no one was in the theater i went to like the 1201 showing of zodiac and it felt it was so because i'm a purist right and this is what we do on true crime obsessed like if we're going to be laughing at shit revolving this story I'm going to get every name right. I'm going to get every date right. I want to do I want to do everyone as much justice as I possibly can as a dumb podcaster. So if we're going to be laughing about the lawyer, I'm going to get the the victim's name right. I'm going to get her sister's name right. You know what I it's very that's very very important to me to not be like, "Um, yeah, I think her name was Kathy or whatever." Like, no. I I'm going to know her fucking middle name. I'm going to Google it. I'm going to make sure we know that. So, I remember being in the theater and thinking I've seen this before. That's how accurate some of the the scenes in Zodiac were compared oh, to the God. book. Because it felt like, wait, wait, I was having deja vu. And I realized, no, it's just Fincher being Fincher. That's it. It's just like dark and 70s and, and wonderful. And so I think it's really about not just trying to figure out who this guy is. It's what the obsession with true crime and the obsession with this case did to the people reporting it and the people who were affected by it who were not the victims and 
it sounds cruel to say, because I think they did the victims justice in, in Zodiac, which I think is very, very important. Um, but it's how, you know, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, like uh, Paul Avery, he became obsessed with the case. Robert Graysmith, Dave Toskey, like every year when Dave Toskey, the anniversary of the Paul Stein murder on Washington and Cherry, like to, up until his death, every year on that date, the real Toskey would go to that corner and just sit there and try to like get get something new feel something new like anything to help the case this this consumed people and it is i think it's i think the only it's two and a half hours and my only complaint is that it's too short <laughs> somebody else is here it is a public park i think he's watching us well we're very good looking we're behind that tree all right so he's taking a leak coming towards us. Oh my god, he has a gun. Don't move. Can I can like, I ask you this? Can yeah. you can you can you speak a little bit about the depiction of the murders of Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepherd? Because that scene, that sequence, like, I can't yeah, I actually the one can't, out by the lake. Yes, it's I like can't well, I can I can never watch. Talk to me about that. Well, I I will as much as I can. It's it's the it's what I skip every time. Yep. And yep. I, I skip it every time. And Mike, Mike knows it's coming. He gets he gets the remote. He knows I'm I'm very uh, yeah I'm very sensitive to that. But so w- what happens is and, and this is very this was one of the the things um, one of the scenes that made me feel like I've seen this before. Nope, it's just Fincher perfectly recreating uh, one of the most terrifying things that's ever happened. So th- this couple is out at Lake Berryessa. It's the middle of the day. There are no real trees. They're like yards away from any kind of tree or brush area. They are out in the open. It's the middle of the day. It's everyone on earth is like, oh, they're safe. It's two in the afternoon. Like there's no way any harm can come to them because that's what we think, right? It's the middle of the day. I'm outside. There's like nowhere to hide here. It's totally fine. And this this person approaches them wearing this horrifying um, outfit, uh, this mask and all this stuff. And he brutally murders them first he lies to them and says you know i I just want money or whatever and the boyfriend tries really hard to to calm down his girlfriend and the way fincher films it is so moving and so effective because the terror and that that actress is is absolutely phenomenal unbelievable the the absolute terror in her eyes and it's a brutal stabbing so uh I can't watch it. It's too much. It's too, it's too real. It's too scary. It's too sad. Like, fuck this guy. Fuck the Zodiac. Like he sucks. Um, and it's, you see it from the boyfriend's point of view and she's crying. And then like, he goes back and he stabs the boyfriend and he stabs her. And it's just like, it's, it, it is everyone. It is such a fear that's realized. Cause again, it's the middle of the day. No, everyone thinks you're safe when the, all the lights are on and you're not. Uh, and the seventies were the worst. Like we just did, I'll be gone in the dark on true crime obsessed. Like, and we, we came out of doing that series and the big takeaway was fuck the seventies. Like nobody cared about women. Like rape was an afterthought and the seventies were just like a nightmare. So that, that is the scene that I skip. but it's a very important murder in the case. So I, I understand why Fincher took, took all that time to show us that. No, it's, it truly is a, it's a moment where you just where number one because of how because of the attention to detail of this movie, yeah. you know that this is 
it's just a scene that just brings home the gravity of exactly what this person was doing. And, um, and, and not only that, but, but the, you talk about respect to the victims. I mean, it really, you know, it actually is not, it's not gory. It's not that that's kind of why it's so effective is it's not about the, the amount of blood or the, it's just about watching these two poor kids have to watch each other get stabbed. And it's just like, un fucking believably uncomfortable and the thing is like ruffalo like dave toski who who was another just brilliant mind he uh he was the the main inspector on the case they called them inspector back then but he he says you know he 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 was too zodiac was too busy killing the women that he forgets to finish off the men so we have like like eyewitness statements of course traumatized injured near death but two of the boys lived and so they can tell these stories and it's just like it really hits home as as a woman too because she's the one in that scene she's the one who notices there's some guy like lurking around the trees yep and the boyfriend and it's no i'm it's i'm not victim blaming at all but this is just life and the boyfriend's like it's fine again it's two in the afternoon don't worry about it yeah but as a woman like i say this on true crime obsessed all the time and patrick is always like oh my God, to be a woman in this world is a nightmare. And I'm like, it it sure is. But like, you always know the guy in the room or the guys in the bar to have your eye on always like the, to the, the ladies listening at home, they know exactly what I'm saying. It's always like, all right, I I don't like that guy. So I'm going to know where he is all the time. And I'm probably not going to use the bathroom until he's far enough away from it where I feel safe that I can walk there without being, you know, whatever. Um, and so that, that felt very real too, that she was the one that was like, she felt it. She knew. Cause that's what it's like to be a woman that's, in the world. That's fucking awful. And, yeah. and I'm, and I, and I mean, I, I, all I, all I can say is, you know, fuck that. And I'm oh, so yeah. sorry that that's a real, <laughs> no. And, and it's the truth because, you know, even, even with Sarah, you know, we, you know, there's so much that I, I have realized that you know even even as a black man i'm still a man and and have not had to deal with and and the idea that you are in these spaces and cannot feel safe or can or have to have an awareness about you cannot ever let your guard down and i think i think that that speaks to so much of what the movie is talking about too was this time when we didn't understand i mean that you know i think the beauty of having true crime be a, a genre or a podcast genre or, or just a genre that people are interested in now it, the, the the silver lining of this is that people are are more aware of what can happen in the world mm-hmm. you know what i mean because because i think that's kind of what made the zodiac and other other crimes of that era so astounding was that you know i mean that that's the entirety of once upon a time in hollywood is like the destruction of innocence right the the idea that this world is safe and happy and free and everybody's here to help you like that's finding out that nope there's there's people who are just really fucked up yeah yeah Yeah. and they're they're like really amazing um just film just cinematic choices and things that fincher does like every time because we see the zodiac a few times in this and he's played by a different actor every time so it's not like the guy who plays arthur lee allen is playing the role of the murderer at Lake Berryessa, Darlene Farron, uh, Ioni Sky. Like he's not, wow. he, he's, it's not the same actor because we never see his face. We just hear his voice. And because there were so many different composites and 
again, these people were dealing with trauma after encountering this person or, you know, that that great scene, that infuriating scene with Mark Ruffalo talking to the kids on the stairs after the Paul Stein murder. And they're like, he he looked normal. And he's he's like, what normal? Like and of course, they they said it was a black guy first. And so they there were two cops who actually walked by him like that's all true. Like they like they walked by the Zodiac killer who killed Paul Stein. Like if we could have just if we didn't blame the black guy right away, we could have got we could have saved so many lives. You know what I mean? Jesus like Christ. like the call went out that it was like an African American guy, and so these cops see this like this piece of shit like lumbering along, and they just they kind of did a double take and instead of questioning him, they just let him go because over the radio the description was something else. It was corrected quickly but not fast enough. In the seventies, how fast can that go? Oh my god! Oof. You know. I'm going to be honest. I'm sitting here in my apartment and as we have the discussion, the way that I'm looking over my shoulder into the hallway behind me, I just want to, I just want to be clear about that because that's, that's my life now. Check the lock on the front door. Absolutely. Checking that lock. So here's how Zodiac relates to true crime obsessed. When I, Patrick and I became really good friends and we're going to happy hour six days a week or whatever. And our conversations went to true crime. And I had this thing. I was like, I want to make a true crime podcast. And I, I, don't know what it's going to be, but so I called Patrick and it was kind of a thing. Like I, I like went into our room and I was like, Mike, I'm going to make this phone call. It was like a serious phone call. It was like a big, like kind of pitch, but I didn't have a pitch. And so I was like, I want to make a true crime podcast. I want to do it with you. I don't know what it is. Let's get drinks and figure it out. And the first idea for the podcast was we're going to solve the Zodiac. And it was, it was like, I made a graphic based on the ciphers, like the, the code that he sent to the paper. I was, I was like, I'm going to be like Robert Graysmith. I'm going to go to the library. Like it was a whole, I was like, we're going to do this. We're going to fucking solve the Zodiac. We're going to get him. And then we realized very like a week into my research, I was like, I feel like there are more qualified people to do this. I feel like it has to be solved somehow. It kind of already is, but I feel like maybe I am just making a mockery of this case. If I, I, I was like, I think I just love the movie and I think I'm just fascinated by the case. Like this is really not on me. And that was like the original, original idea for true crime obsessed was to solve the Zodiac. I, I mean, listen, if there's anyone <laughs> who could do it, it's absolutely you. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt in my mind that you I can. Think- I mean, I don't think Fincher's wrong. I think I, I'm I leaned I always lean towards Arthur Lee Allen. I did when I read the book and I know Gray Smith is, is biased in that sense, but come on. Come uh, on. It, it seemed it the, the the case is definitely made and and you and it, especially uh that gen- I'm, I'm, I have to look his name up because he is he always plays this exact role. Is he the the one who played Drew Carey's brother on the Drew yes. Carey show? That guy, yes, that dude's uh, in everything, and he's excellent he's in, in everything, everything he's in. Yeah, truly he's excellent. excellent. He was also in, in Big Love I'm, with Chloe Sevigny. Yes, so he he's, was. Uh, yeah, and and he's my a, favorite my favorite one that he was in. It's uh, John something something. It's another. Yeah. It's like Arthur John Carroll Lynch. Yes, John Carroll yep. Lynch, a yeah. brilliant actor. I first saw John Carroll Lynch in uh, <laughs> this is going to make you guys mad. Remember, uh, was it was it was it Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones? Is that the name of the movie? Yeah, <laughs> where he uh, love Volcano. Where he plays a uh, he plays a, a, a subway worker who is trapped underground and like has to is like getting people off this subway as the lava comes in. And there's this epic sequence where he jumps. So like the lava has now gone under the train, right? He has to jump to like the side of the, of the tracks that doesn't have lava, but, the, but there's still a little girl on the train 
So he's, he picks up the little girl and everybody's like, jump, you can do it. He's like, I'm not going to make it. They're like, you can do it. <laughs> and this man, and it's like, it actually is very heartbreaking because he jumps and he just does not make it. Like literally lands in the lava and is like <laughs> melting, but uses his last ounce of consciousness and strength to like th- chuck this girl. Across. That's funny. It was, br- and he's just like, and you watch him die and you're like, God damn it, John Carroll Lynch, you're amazing. Uh <laughs> Oh my god! So oh my god! Mike, Mike just came in raid. and brought the dogs. Holy crap! <laughs> We're not on camera. I love it. We're no <laughs> no cameras here, but it's brilliant if that you just. Anyone would appreciate this. It would be Nick Walker. <laughs> no, prankster like Nick Walker. Good old fashioned. Uh, it sabotage was move a little bit. Yeah. You did sabotage, no, but I it's a brilliant. The, the stairs with a shipu in my arms and and, and Pete the, and the mix Pete. of everything. Yeah. I lured him. So welcome, Seb. Well, and but they say hi. Well, Mike can't hear you because I have headphones on, but. But 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 I mean, what I was going to ask was now that he's here. I mean, tell because I wanted to, I wanted to ask really quickly for our listeners what you're up to, and and part of what you're up to involves Mike, uh, in well, yeah. terms of your. I wanted to I wanted to do that at the end because I still have more to say about Zodiac, but we'll pitch oh, we'll pitch what we're working on. Well, amazing hi guys, I can't wait to come on, and all, the only other thing I can say is. Oh my God! Stop it! Please stop! This is fucking terrifying. That's, I can't do yeah. that. I can't do that. I'm 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 already like I said. I'm staring over my shoulder. Like I can't I can't deal with that right now. Alex, thank you as as a fellow editor. I apologize and also thank you for what you're going got, to do. I got with a that. hell of a thank weekend you. ahead of me. No, th- yeah. this might look look what I mean. This might need to be a two parter, y'all, because this is this is we got some stuff. We got some uh, stuff look, to talk about. I have I have more, I have like a lot more. To, here's the thing. Is Zodiac was like before Hamilton was like Zodiac was the thing where I was like, does anyone and like I'd walk into a party and be like, does anyone want to talk about Zodiac at all? Like the movie or the case? Like <laughs> I, I just <laughs> they'd be like, no. And I'm like, oh, OK, well, is there a dog here for me to hang out with or like what? <laughs> what, what am I supposed to do here? Exactly. Oh my God. Um, but there are other like little, little tiny things that uh, that I love that Fincher does, like just little moments where like even in the. um Cause like that intro that I was describing, like when they go, it's like the, it's like the Darlene Farron murder. And, um, after that, it's like the pre, it's like before the credits. And then they have the bump, 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 bump. They have that Santana song on like while like they do like the on-screen text credits and yeah. we follow, like, I love that Fincher's like, fuck this. We have way too much to get to. This movie's going to be two and a half hours long. The, like they, we just we're like immediately at the San Francisco Chronicle, which I just love. Like he doesn't waste any time. Oh but no. As we're as we're seeing the cre- the opening credits on text, it's like the old typewriter thing. And as they fade out, they fade into the characters of the the code that he wrote, which is just a cool, like, just so my speed, like just, it ticks like every, bo- every box on the Will Jillian love this list. And, um, and little things like how Dave Toski, Dave Toski used to wear, like there's a moment where Jake Gyllenhaal as Robert Graysmith says to uh, Nick's boyfriend, Robert Downey Jr., who is basically playing like a drunk Tony Stark in the seventies, which is yes, phenomenal. Is. <laughs> like it's, it, that's exactly who Paul Avery was in this version of it. Um, and cause he's like in awe of Dave Toski and, and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal goes, Oh, he wears his, his gun like bullet. And Robert Downey Jr. says, McQueen stole that from Toski. And that's true. Like, that's a real story. Like, Toski wore his his uh, holster around his his arm, like, on the shoulder or whatever. And yeah. Steve McQueen, like, Dave Toski was so big even before Zodiac. Like, he was, like, such a mainstay that Steve McQueen stole that as Bullet, which I think is, like, such a cool little throw, almost throwaway line, but it's very cool. Well, talk to me about oh, this then. Uh, talk to me about this, because with these three... You know, you have Dave Toski, you have uh, Robert Graysmith, you have Paul Avery. 
these three people who are coming at this thing from three distinct sides. I mean, yeah. you know, was I mean, and one of the things that I, I think really hit me when I watched the movie was how. I'm not going to say loose their connection. It was very like LA confidential where these people, like, cause you know, from the way, from the way the movie was advertised, not knowing anything about the true crime of it all. I was like, okay, I'm going to watch Robert Downey Jr. Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo solve a case. Sure. But it's not, yeah. they're, they're very much in their own universes. Like there's no, that's kind of the thing that I think keeps it in a true crime world. It's like, David Fincher very much resists the urge to like team them all up and bring them all together to solve the crime. It's like, nope, they, they did. They, they kind of cross paths, you know, Paul Avery and Robert Graysmith had this, you know, maybe kind of friendship that you kind of like see hints of, uh, you know, them at the bar together. Um, oh, I love that. No. Oh, it's I great. Love, but- the, the, <laughs> this can no longer be ignored. I didn't know he was going to send another code. I just guessed. Just guessed. The first one seemed too easy. This can no longer be ignored. What is that you're drinking? It's an aqua velva. You wouldn't make fun of it if you tried it. With the aqua velva? Oh, it's that so is good. one of my favorite, and that of course became one of my favorite drinks because it is absolutely delicious and it looks is cool it really? and blue. Really, I've never it's had so one. It's so good. It's so good. This can no longer be ignored. And Robert Grace with with the truth says, "You wouldn't make fun of it if you tried it." And then cut to a drunk Robert Downey Jr. with six empty glasses around him. I'm like, "Yeah, that's me." Oh my god. Oh my god. No, but so so I mean, but yeah. So it really is this thing, right? Where they where they don't they never really kind of got on the same page. It seems like they. Mm- no, and, and Paul Avery and Toski were at odds with each other because Paul Avery was there to sell papers, you know, like he covered crime in Vallejo, as he says. He, you know, was the crime writer. And so he all he like loved the the attention and the drama of it all. And Dave Toski was there to get the guy. And Robert Graysmith was almost, you know, as the cartoonist of the Chronicle, really like had no place being in any of these conversations, which which Fincher makes very clear early on. Like they kick him yes. out of the editorial meetings. And so so it's very interesting, like how Graysmith was a, a, an observer, really, like a spectator in all of this and became so entrenched. And then years later, he finally contacts, he finally gets face to face with Toski, who's been like beaten down with this case his own partner is like i can't do this anymore like it's just it's too much like it's uh, they're just like running into these these dead ends over and over and over again and toski is like all beaten down and graysmith is like still at a hundred like graysmith is still ready to go and so like it, it is it is a it's an interesting dynamic of these three people who have a little bit of the same goal i think a- avery really was in it in it for the the drama and in a little bit, I mean, not to speak ill of the dead, but I think he loved, you know, his column was really popular at the time and he, he wasn't in it. I think in the same way Toski and Graysmith were, and when Mm. they eventually start working together in this cool little, you know, I, I I can't tell you that, but maybe Ken Narlow and Napa Ken, you know, that's a cool, yeah. Those little, those little uh, secret meetings were always very fun. And then you have Brian Cox just being, being Brian Cox. Yes. Being, there should be a book called being Brian Cox. (laughs) Brian Cox, who who will be who will do like Succession, which is an amazing show, God, and and Brian everything, Cox. and yep. also like Super Troopers and McDonald's voiceover commercials. Like Brian oh Cox God. is just like here for all of it. He's he's there for everything, and then he also plays Hannibal Lecter on the weekends. You know what I mean? Like, let's go back to Manhunter, <laughs> and this man shows up and he says, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm actually the original Hannibal Lecter, and now here we are." Right. Uh, the incredible. guy does it all. 
he does it all like kind of like you kind of like you my friend um <laughs> well look are, are you are you happy that i didn't are you happy that i didn't choose the hamill film because hamilton is true crime i could have chosen the <laughs> hamill film for this I mean, oh, very technically, that, you are right. You are actually correct. Wow. That I'm the vice president killed the treasury secretary. Hamilton is true crime through and through. I will die on this hill. No pun wow. intended. I I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you. I think that if you had chosen the Hamill film, I would have probably walked off. I I never <laughs> would do that to you. I would never. And also, like like I would never do that to me. Like there are two pe- there are two people who want to who are very nicely indulging me about zodiac i'm not i'm not giving that no up for there's anything. no well there's no indulgence zodiac is an is a wonderful film and and again yeah. I, I please please watch zodiac if you and yeah. I, I would suggest watching it at a time it's it's very very similar to to uh, a movie we've done another jake gyllenhaal crime oh yeah we did for the Pri- crime episode that i picked was prisoners prisoners yep, yep. those those two it, it, about the dip, people approaching a case differently trying mm. to solve a thing on their own terms and figuring it out on their own their time and their terms um prisoners is a is a great film also yeah. very much very oh sorry to cut you off go ahead no no i was, I was just say, i was just agreeing i very much speaks to jake gyllenhaal as an just a phenomenal actor i really i he's I, the best he really is the best and, and I, it's taken me a, a long time to understand that but like now looking at his body of work and just just looking at what he's been capable of you're like wow you're you're really you got you got something special here. Like you're just you you just have a range and, a, does. and a commitment. If you, if you haven't seen Nightcrawler, oh, oh yeah, my god. oh my god, <laughs> like, Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah. it's incre- by far my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal performance. I mean, the script is incredible too, but it's it's my fa- wow. It was my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal until I saw uh, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, <laughs> and that became. <laughs> let me tell you, when you see Jake Gyllenhaal on that on that on that program. Uh, it will really, really do some things to your mind. But yeah, so Jillian, you know, but we, we obviously we could we could keep this going forever and ever, and we obviously have to have you back. And Mike will come on, and you will come back, and it will be great. But but great. Ta- I, I do want to hear about this. So uh, this thing that I that that I mean I, I want to hear about it because I'm I, I'm involved in it. in it. I'm in it. <laughs> yeah. So there's um we're we're gonna tease it a little. So Mike wrote this thing that we've we've done before and uh so we get to work together nick like officially in an official capacity which i'm super excited about so we uh mike and i have teamed up with mischief management who this is i i will make like an eight hour podcast about how much i love melissa anelli at mischief management she is um they're the people who put on like broadway con and uh con of thrones and they are all about fandoms and bringing people together and they're just excellent people so we've teamed up with mischief to produce this really fun thing and that's really all i'm gonna say at this moment about what it is but we are like everyone at at mischief we've been we've been uh working very closely with melissa and leah especially and i just like i can't believe it took me like I would turn, I turned to Mike and I was like, I'm never going to not work with them on anything ever again. They're just like wonderful people. They are just so cool. And so like down to business, but fun. Every time we have a meeting and I leave the meeting, I'm just like, I feel, I wasn't even feeling bad before the meeting, but I feel a hundred times better all of a sudden. Like my mood is up. So we're going to do this really, really cool thing. It's, it's going to, it's a radio play that Mike wrote and we're going to uh, all, it's all about raising money for the Actors Fund. And uh, we're just going to give you something fun and nice for the holidays. And we're kind of, we're getting the band back together without saying too much. We're uh, maybe a little bit of Sons of Liberty and then some like, like fancy freestylers. Is that, oh, I think man. that's enough of a tease. And also Nick Walker is going to be there. 
I, I, I will show up at some point and I say, know. say some Alex, words. I'm sorry. Alex, yeah. will you still no, will you still listen to the radio play even Abs- though Nick Walker's absolutely. involved? Uh, well, that's what the uh, mute button's for. Right. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll give you timestamps so you can mute it. I'll watch it in waveform. I've gotten very used to what <laughs> Nick's voice looks like in waveform. Yeah. I can identify his ums without listening to it to cut them out. I just know exactly how he speaks. <laughs> that's yeah. so, so annoying. I'll just I'll just listen in waveform and and. And just cut it yeah. out. Yeah. Just and just mute it. Yep. So we have like big announcements coming, but I'm thrilled, Nick, that you said yes. Like I've I'm I was like, if we oh could no, Walker, that would be so amazing. It was. Um, yeah. No, that was a no brainer. No brainer. Yeah. So yeah. by the time Mike is on your pod, you I think you can probably talk about it a little bit more. But it's uh, it's like everyone, our dream cast said yes. You all said yes cool. like right away, which is unbelievable. So I'm excited uh, to get. Some uh, some of like a some of a of two bands back together to make one big band. It's gonna be great. I love that. I love it. Well, Jillian, you are just n- nothing but a gem, and we are so <laughs> thankful. Seriously, I mean, I mean back that. Back at you. Back at you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming in, and thank, thank you, you so much for talking thank you for, to us. Thank about you for this having movie. me. And if you of ever course. want to talk about other, I mean, I'll, I'll find a way. Life no, no, no. finds a way. I will find a way to find a movie about the topic. Absolutely. I mean, we and again, I uh, there are several other true crime movies to talk about. So, like, I we could just do another, you know, another go at this at some point. It could be fun. Yeah. But, uh, oh, uh, fake crime. What if fake I was like, crime. I only talk about Zodiac. I just only talk then, about Zodiac. Then we talk about Zodiac again. I only I talk about Zodiac or like Columbo, which is not true crime at all. But Peter Falk real- is, yeah, it's oh, my favorite. It's my favorite show. Columbo is my favorite show. Uh, I always wanted to watch the remake with Ving Rhames, but I didn't hear no. good things, and I was like, "Nope, I'm I'm gonna leave that alone." And there's this internet rumor, or like the internet really wants Mark Ruffalo to play Columbo, and if that happens, that's just like I'm <laughs> I'm done forever. You if die. Mark Ruffalo ever plays Columbo, which he could flawlessly, that would just that would end me. Well, let me tell you, we're living in a world where Jamie Fox is coming back as Electro. In a new Spider-Man, <laughs> a new Spider. Wait, tell me. Oh, really? Jamie Fox is going to be Electro in Spider-Man Retur- Three, returning, returning, and not even in the franchise that he originally starred in, in a different Spider-Man franchise wow. as the same character. Wow! So anything can happen, kids. Maybe Jake Gyllenhaal will come back. Oh right? no, no, he is coming back because they're going to do the Sinister Six. It's going to be Jamie Fox. It's going to. I'm. Uh, I'm. They're going to get all of them because they got they got Keaton Fox Gyllenhaal. Who knows who's going to play Doc Ock? But it's going to be absolutely. Uh, Alfred Molina, oh, wow. man. Yeah, bring him bring back. Him back. Yeah, bring back. him back. He's like what? Probably He's in his seventies so now. Doesn't he matter. He's bring him back. It's Alfred Molina. He can do anything. Just yeah. like uh, John oh, Carroll Lynch. Uh, he and Brian Cox. Yes. Come on. And Brian Cox. All and right, Brian Cox. Oh, yeah, bring him in the X. Uh, who did Striker in X Men? Oh, it was. Uh, what's his? Yeah, yeah. Was that? That was Brian Cox. Was it? Striker? Brian Cox. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Aww. In X Men Two. Oh, look at that. Look at that. All right, guys. Well, thank you, everyone. Stay safe out there. Take care of yourselves. And we will talk to you very soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Little Justin. Little Justin. Little Justin. Fuck yeah. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening?
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.